All right. So let's get started, Josh. How you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Doing good, man. Doing good. Just, you know, following the NBA offseason so far. It's been a lot of movement, been a yeah. lot of trades, been a lot of signings. So let's get into about the Wizards. All right. So the first thing I want to ask you about, um, Bradley Bill signed a max contract, $251 million with a no-trade clause. And he is the 10th player in NBA history with a no-trade clause. LeBron, Kevin Garnett, Kobe, Dirk, Dwayne Wade, Carmelo Anthony, John Stockton, David Robinson, Tim Duncan, only players to ever have a no-trade clause. How do you feel about that? Yeah, so, I mean, it's pretty obvious reading that list which name doesn't belong there. Mm -hmm. um, you know, no shots to my guy, but it's Bradley Beal. Um, you know, and I just don't get, like, what that type of negotiation would sort of look like. Like, generally, when you're negotiating a contract, there's sort of a give and take, but it sort of feels like the Wizards just were so insistent on keeping him that they were going to give him whatever he wanted, and... I just don't understand the benefit of making, I mean, Bradley Beal right now is the most powerful player in the NBA. He has more organizational control than any other player in the league, just by contract definition. Um, he's going to, I mean, this is going to hold the Wizards hostage for, you know, the foreseeable future. And, you know, really, unless they get Kevin Durant, which seems unlikely. Yeah. Um, you know, the way I always felt was that, Beal was ultimately going to ask for a trade, but he wanted to get paid first because we see in today's league, it's becoming easier and easier and easier to um, get traded with multiple years left on our contract. You know, it depends on the situation. If there's not a deal available, like that's happening with KD, um, sometimes you don't, but Beal's not that caliber of player. Um, and you see like with Donovan Mitchell, it just looks like he's going to wind up getting moved. Um, and, you know, I think it's naive of the Wizards to understand that that was probably what, always what's going to go on with Beal. But now, you know, I'd say the over-under for when he asks for a trade is 18 months. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I'd say the deadline of the following season, I would probably say beforehand. Mm -hmm. um, and when that happens, the Wizards are going to be hamstrung because instead of being able to find the team with the best package for him, they're going to have to trade him for 30 cents on the dollar. Yeah. I mean, I would say this, just money aside, the no trade clause could help him go to a team that he wants to because he can deny a trade to a certain team, then he gets to pick his destination ultimately right. if he plays it right. Right, and that's why it's a great move for Beal and doesn't make sense at all for the Wizards. I mean, think about it. Think about it right now with – think about it with Kevin Durant right now. So – it doesn't look like a deal is going to come together. And my guess is that he goes, stays in Brooklyn. But say hypothetically, he did have a no trade clause, right? The Nets, you know, there were reports that the Nets took calls from over half the teams in the NBA, which makes sense, right? If Kevin Durant is available, any responsible GM should just make the phone call, even if you're not sure what it's going to look like, to say, hey, what does it look like? And the Nets, you know, are picking up the phone. They were negotiating with over the half of the league. Kevin Durant only had two places he wanted to go, Phoenix and Miami. Yeah. Kevin Durant had a no-trade clause. The Nets would have zero ability to find a deal that works the best for them. And even if there isn't a deal in this scenario necessarily, it just speaks to the greater point that, you know, 
it's just harder going to be harder to find a deal if Bradley Beal wants to be traded um, because I, just the odds that he plays this five years out, I find to be low. And I don't think we're going to be that good. Like, again, what's the over under for the number of times Wizards get to the second round in the next five years? 0.5? Yeah, probably. Like, have they, have they, they haven't even been to the playoffs since John Wall left. Yeah, we had the one year with Russell Westbrook where we got knocked oh, yeah, out by Philly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, pretty quickly. But this team's not seriously competing for anything. You know, it's going to be sort of just dependent on health and how good the role players that they bring in and out. It'll be a fluctuation between an eight seed and a 12 seed, mm-hmm. you know, and really sorry. It's weird, but like, it's like, cause like they were number one at one point last year. And then I don't yeah. know what happened in the locker room. Like all of a sudden, yeah. Spencer Dillon I mean, was like, they were saying they didn't want him and then they just started to tank from there. Yeah, so, I mean, it does seem like things fell apart a little bit. Part of it is also they were always due for a little bit of regression. Um, I mean, they were 10-3, and three, and a lot of it was close wins against bad teams. Yeah. Um, and sort of just, like, you know, basic rules of, like, evaluating what a record actually means. Mm-hmm. A team with a good record in any sport with a lot of close wins against bad teams is sort of generally due to um, – get a little worse but yeah no things completely fell apart in the locker room and you know the Dinwiddie situation I don't really care what he says now in Dallas he quit on the team Mm -hmm. um and yeah it is this is just again this is not a team that's going to seriously compete for anything and they've now completely hamstrung them for the next five years um and don't really have an ability to do what it takes to move pieces around everything yeah so like I mean they did get they did get um, Will Barton, Monty Morris, and DeLon Wright, and Taj Gibson. Yeah. So, th- I mean, those are all fine. Mm-hmm. Um, the way I feel every time Tommy Shepard wounds up making a trade is that I look, or a signing, is I look at the, or a free agent signing, not the contract extension, um, yeah. is I look at the move and I'm like, oh, pretty good move. And I'm like, probably not going to really make us that much better. Mm-hmm. Like, right? Because, Let's be honest, right? Filling out a team with, you know, a Monte Morris and Will Barton, you know, that's the type of things you do if you're cont- you're a contender, right? Filling different spots in your team, right? Yeah. The Celtics in the NBA Finals, they were a wing short and a guard short. They go out and get Danilo Gallinari and Malcolm Brogdon, right? Those are the types of holes that you fill when you those holes are costing you a title. The, it, it, there's no use in filling those holes right now because, yes, it rounds out your roster, but that roster isn't getting you anywhere. Yeah. Um, and it, it's just Ted Leonsis has some deep-seated, like, fear of tanking. He had a quote a few years ago where he said, like, we're never, ever going to tank. Mm-hmm. And I think he's just scared of having no one want to come to the games. Um, we'll worry about but, the money and everything. Right, which is absurd on multiple levels um because a um the wizards were 24th in attendance last year so not like things are great right now and b being in constant purgatory you know is not that exciting for a fan base right now the teams that got the top picks in the draft right now 
Pistons fan, the Pistons might be worse than the Wizards this year, but the Pistons fans are a lot more excited because they got Cade Cunningham and Jaden Ivey yep. as their mm-hmm. future. The Rockets are going to be worse than the Wizards, but they got Jalen Green and Javari Smith and Alperen Shangun. Um, the Magic, they're going to be worse than the Wizards, but they got Paolo Bancaro and Franz Wagner, right? Those are foundational young players that right. can build around. And it, 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 that's what builds fan excitement. Like one of my best friends is a Rockets fan and he's infinitely more excited than me about this Rockets team this year. Yeah. You know? And you could look this, it's true in any sport, right? Mm-hmm. I'm a Baltimore Orioles fan and who knows if we're actually going to make the playoffs this year, but this is a young team. That's really, really exciting. Mm-hmm. And the idea that fans will continuously get excited about the fact that there are theoretical games that matter for a month or two in February and March versus actually having something to build for just becomes a fallacy because eventually the fans get bored. It's kind of an insult to our intelligence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like, like, as the season goes along, we're just going to be like, uh, so where are they building on it? Where is, yeah. Where's the well, direction we're going in? Right. I mean, we're smarter than that. My, my number one rule in sports at any given moment for any team is that regardless of whether the move is being a team like a Celtics picking up Malcolm Brogdon or Danilo Gallinari, Mm -hmm. or whether you're a team tearing it down Mm -hmm. at any given moment, every decision has to be made of, does this decision get me closer to winning a championship at some point? Right. Obviously, you know, the Rockets and Pistons and magic and those teams are not close to winning a championship, but decisions they are making everyone is you know with the idea that they're laying a foundation and that each decision ultimately gets you towards it in the future because you're not going to win anything now yeah that's not what's going on with the wizards at all um because they're not winning a championship anytime soon and they're not winning they're not building the ability to win championship anytime in the future Mm -hmm. um and hasn't really ever been that way with the wizards yeah i was I mean, I was hoping that they would probably try to make a push to get John Wall back. I was hearing that Bradley Bill said he he would be open to it. Yeah, I mean, but I don't know, like because like the contract and everything. Yeah, what's big contract? And then you're gonna I, sign Bradley. It would be Bill. fun, you know. Mm-hmm. John Wall, I think, is mine, and I think a lot of people agree, my favorite Wizards player of all time. Yeah. Um, it would be fun in terms of like actually it, it, that it wouldn't be you know, uh. Uh, my, my kind of secret hope was before the draft, there were a couple of different three-way trades that like wound up with Beal um, going to, I think at one point I did like a Beal to the Nets and KD to Phoenix and Houston getting a bunch of picks and then the Wizards mm-hmm. winding up with the number three pick and John Wall. Yeah. Um, but it worked out for everybody. But yeah, it, and I get Wall doing it, what he did wanting to go win, but yeah, this is not a team that's going to win. The The only out is if these reports about Kevin Durant mean anything. And listen, you obviously do it. I'm a bit confused about how it could happen because everyone, for some reason, seems to think that the Wizards have a lot of draft picks to trade, which they don't, um, because of the Stepien rule, which says that you can't have two straight seasons without a first-round pick. Yeah. And right now, 
the Wizards have a first round pick. They traded to the Rockets in the Wall Westbrook trade. That's been tra- I forget who has it now. It's been traded around a few times, but it has protections on it. Maybe so, maybe the Pacers. Maybe yeah, in that trade from Oladipo. Potentially, yeah. Um, so yeah, it it you know if the Wizards don't make the playoffs this year, um, you know, uh, it's protected. Then it goes to like top twelve, top ten, whatever. Mm-hmm. And eventually it becomes a second rounder, but those protections last till 2026. Yeah. So the first year in which that draft pick isn't potentially going to be with a team other than the Wizards is 2027, but they can't trade their 2027 pick because of the possibility that the pick doesn't get conveyed till 2026 and you can't have two straight years without the first round pick. So the first first round pick they can trade is 2028. And if I'm the Nets, there's no reason I'm taking a trade with 2028 as the first pick. So the only way you do it is you would have to go back and renegotiate the terms and basically probably make this year's pick just unprotected and then do a pick swap next year and then start with 2025 unprotected. And I guess you'd probably do it just because out of way you're locked into these next few years with Beal and, you know, having Kevin Durant with Bradley Beal is probably the best thing you're going to get out of these next few years mm-hmm. that happens, even if you have to gut much of your youngsters and sort of your rotation. Um, but even that, a core of Kevin Durant and Bradley Beal and some of the guys around them probably still isn't enough to compete with Milwaukee. Um, I, so? I, mm-hmm. I doubt I mean, it. If, if they keep, if they keep Porzingis, I, Porzingis, I, uh, my guess is Porzingis, Rua, Ru, Porzingis, Rui, Denny, and Kispert would all be in the trade. Okay, I guess. Mm-hmm. And my guess is it will wind up with sort of. A rotation of something like Morris, Beal, Barton, KD, Gafford, um, DeLon Wright. Maybe they're able to keep Denny and Kuzma winds up instead, and Denny becomes the seventh guy. But, like, realistically, if Chris Middleton doesn't get hurt, we're looking at Milwaukee as the two-time back-to-back champions. Um, yeah. And Giannis is the best player in the world. He's, you know... If you look at what he's doing right now, it's up there with Kareem and Shaq and Hakeem Olajuwon and Tim Duncan, Bill Russell, Wilt Chamberlain, the best bigs of all time in terms of his playoff numbers. Um, yeah, I think it's, Mo- it's Milwaukee's conference for the next five to ten years. And, you know, realistically, if Milwaukee were to have the best player in the series, um, you know, I'd take the rest of their core with Holiday and Middleton. Yeah, Lopez. Lopez, Connaughton, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but you do it because it makes you a contender. Yeah. And it's I think still any a, team with Kevin Durant yeah. is a contender. Like. Yeah, I mean, he's the second best player in the world, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's, that's really the only way I see anything happening. And I think it's highly, highly unlikely. I think it's highly unlikely too. I mean, I've been hearing that Kevin Durant maybe Toronto, like that's a sleeper team for him. I think I think he's gonna stay with Brooklyn. Think so? I think yeah. it's gonna end up he's staying in Brooklyn too. Not yeah. sure about that situation with like with Kyrie and everything, even though Kyrie opted in. I, I really know. don't get I don't get why KD is so insistent on latching himself to Kyrie. Yeah, me neither. I don't know. It's as far as I know, like whatever Kyrie's doing. I don't know. Maybe KD's just shows that he's not that alpha that he can be. And he needs- I don't know. Yeah. 
it, it's hard because I generally don't love that narrative with KD just because like he was the best player on those Warriors title teams. Yeah. Um, I mean, he averaged 35 a game in the 2017 finals. Yeah. Um, and even, you know, last year, he's a shoe size away from carrying them to a title. Um, but yeah, I, I think definitely for his legacy as well, it would be best to stay with Brooklyn. I, I just, I never understood how, you know, I've always been a defender of him going to the Warriors. Mm. Um, I think it was the right move for him. Um, obviously for the Warriors, the right move for them. Um, uh, he saw what it meant like to be a model teammate. I mean, Steph Curry might be the best teammate ever. Yeah. Like he saw what it meant like a good organization looked like and what stability looked like. And he become just so insistent on this Kyrie thing. And it's like. Now you go from he, Steph Curry, probably the greatest teammate to Kyrie who. Yeah barely plays games and like when and, he's in the court he's great but like yeah actually yeah <laughs> right I mean that's the thing I've always been a big defender of Kyrie's game because I actually think that people kind of underrate how good he is at basketball he's but he's really he, good he quits on his team every year mm -hmm. and it's not that complicated the year before they went to Brooklyn that Milwaukee series in the second round with the Celtics was mm -hmm alarming i mean he stopped trying he started demanding to be switched on to Giannis, and then would mm -hmm. I, I can't even explain and then again you see it with the the series against boston this year game one he's going for it he's chirping with the fans he's flipping them off and he has you know mm -hmm. like a vintage brilliant kyrie irving performance right it mm -hmm. was really awesome to watch and then just stopped getting engaged. I, I like he, he was horrible, but he wasn't really trying. I still distinctly remember game three. He took two take fouls in that game. One of them was in the first quarter with the Celtics already in the bonus. So there's no reason to do a take foul if you're in the bonus. And then he had one in the third middle of the third quarter with him having four fouls and he took his fifth foul and a take foul. It, it's just stuff like that where you're, you're just clearly disengaged from the game. Um, and I don't get why Kevin Durant is so insistent on latching himself to Kyrie Irving. Because they're close friends, basically. Yeah. Want to play yeah. with your friend. Yeah. I mean, I get it. I just I just don't know how this is going to play out next year because most of their roster is gone at this point. Most of the yeah. players they had last year is gone. So, I don't yeah. know. I mean, they're really going to miss Bruce Brown. It seems uh, like they missed out. I definitely said that. Out. They missed out on the Aiton thing. The question is Ben Simmons. Everyone forgets that he's there. If we are playing this on paper, mm -hmm. Ben Simmons is the perfect fit in Brooklyn. Yeah, definitely. Um, because what is Ben Simmons good at? He's good at, you know, maybe the best perimeter defender in the NBA. Mm -hmm. Elite in transition. Mm -hmm. A really good passer. Mm -hmm. What does he not want to do? Exactly. Anything involved offense in the half court, yeah, right? Yeah. But he can rebound, so, play defense, and that's right. what you need. And what does Brooklyn need? They need defense. Mm -hmm. They need someone to get it in transition. Mm -hmm. They need an extra ball handler. Mm -hmm. They have two of the greatest individual half court scorers in the history of the game mm -hmm. to take the pressure off of him, and right? Yeah. It, it's such a perfect fit if we're playing this on paper. Mm -hmm. But Ben Simmons and Kyrie are, you know, yeah. two of the least trustworthy guys in the league. Mm -hmm. Do you, let me ask you this: Do you hear the rumors about Steve Nash and 
Kyrie, like that whole beef. Yeah. Um, doesn't shock me. I think, I think Steve Nash has kind of gotten a rough go of it. Yeah. Um, I think he has had to deal with more, not from like an X's nose basketball standpoint, but he's had to deal with more BS than any coach I can remember over the first two years. Yeah, definitely. Like it's insane. And, and like the year before, they had all those injuries. They didn't have any of their guys together. They had the most different players play in the league. They had the most different starting lineups. Mm-hmm. And they won a two seed. I thought he probably should have won coach of the year that year. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I understand. Listen, if I'm anyone on the Nets, I think that, you know, they have the full right to be mad at Kyrie. We're basically... They gave control of the team over to Kyrie and KD, right? I mean, they were they were out there saying, you know, we're like co-GMs, right? This is sort of our vision. And they invested a lot of money and a lot of resources in those guys. And, you know, they fired Kenny Atkinson because of Kyrie. Mm-hmm. Um, Steve Nash was their hand-picked head coach. And for him to turn, if, you know, and regardless of like, the politics of the vaccination stuff, which I find to be kind of gross anyway, that he didn't get vaccinated. But regardless, mm-hmm. the idea that you do all of that and then that you willingly miss that many games and not reciprocate being all in, I mm-hmm. think they have the right to be mad. Now, if we're looking at it in the first place, it's probably a bad idea considering the way things ended in Cleveland and Boston to turn that power over to Kyrie Irving in the first place. Yeah. Um, but I fully understand why they're mad, and I think they have the right to be. Mm-hmm. I think so, too, because at the end of the day, like you said, they did pick Steve Nash, and all this turmoil is from Kyrie's not wanting to play, basically. Which is funny, because like now that they dropped the mandate, I'm thinking, like, all right, are we going to get Kyrie for 82 games next season? I mean, we never get 82 games from Kyrie. Probably. No. But, like... That, that's the give, thing. Give, We're, 60. give us 60 games. Yeah. And, and that's that's always been the thing. And this is something that's gotten like completely forgotten, but because of how much has happened with Kyrie. But the year before, there was a point where he kind of just took two weeks off. Yeah. And oh, he said that what about that. <laughs> he said that after the you know January 6th capital attack, he needed like a mental health break, which like mm-hmm. whatever, like. I'm very on board with the notion that, like, we need to start treating mental health like an injury. Um, mm-hmm. The problem was he didn't tell anyone on the team. And he, yeah, said he, he just dipped. He just dipped. And, and that's the thing, right? Like, I had a period where I had to, you know, go home from college for a mental health thing. And I emailed my professors and was like, hey, guys, not yeah. going to be in class, right? Mm-hmm. It's like a basic thing you do. Exactly. And he just didn't say anything to them. He just dipped. And no one knew where he was. Especially it, since this is your job. Yeah. Yeah. It, like it's even it's even smaller stuff. Like last week when LeBron played the Drew League, Kyrie was supposed to show up too and just didn't show up and didn't tell anyone. Yeah. It's like he he lacks some basic like human understanding of like a common courtesy mm-hmm. and just be like the basic notion of like if I take this action, this will have consequences on this person, right? Exactly. Like, like beyond anything, you know, big that it's a very, very basic human thing, which he just seems to lack. Mm-hmm. Basic communication skills. Even yeah. the GM is basically saying like, Hey, Kyrie has 
he needs to take some time to like evaluate what he wants to do with himself and like is he gonna put the team first because it seems like Kyrie is always putting himself first which I completely understand and I'm all for but you're committed to this basketball team that you initially put together you wanted to go to Brooklyn you wanted Katie to go there you you and Katie was the ones who picked Steve Nash this is your ideal situation right and and that's the thing right like I'm not going to tell you how to live your life if you're not fully committed to being a great NBA player like Mm -hmm. that that's fine right he can do if that's the path he chooses in life do that but then it's not right to then also say give me all this power and this is my team and I'm co-GM and if if a team invests that in you there should be a degree of reciprocation you Mm -hmm. know in the same way that you know most of the time when there's a trade demand I generally wind up being pro player because I Mm -hmm. usually feel like it's the team that screws over the player um, most of the time, you know, like Anthony Davis with the Pelicans or Paul George with the Pacers. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they both had every right to ask out. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is just a situation where it's like, you know, they gave you everything you wanted and you played 20 games. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing is even beyond the vaccination stuff, he's just not, he hasn't been healthy. I mean, if you look at since he left Cleveland, you know, or even going farther back, right? Go back to 2015, right? He gets hurt in the finals. Yep. Um, so yep. doesn't finish that year. 2016, one of the great final performances of all time. 2017, finishes out the year they lose in the finals. 2018, he gets hurt, misses the playoffs, doesn't show up for game seven, which is right. a whole other different yeah. thing. Right before the playoffs, I think he got hurt, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so he doesn't finish that season. 2019 finishes the season but quits on a team in the playoffs 2020 gets hurt doesn't finish the season decides not to show up for the bubble 2021 doesn't finish out the season because he's hurt 2022 only plays 20 games or so so he's just more fresh but again quits on the team so even if we're taking away even if we take away the whole quit on the team thing it's sort of a 50 50 bet if he's just going to be healthy at the end of the year you know and it makes sense because part of the reason he's such a brilliant basketball player is that he's not really physically imposing in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not big. He's not very fast. Doesn't jump very high. He's almost always going to be the worst athlete in the court. Everything that he does is basketball skill, whether it be handle, hand-eye coordination, shot making. Um, it's why he's so brilliant as a player. But it also makes sense that just your body would have a harder time holding up with, you know, greater athletes as your career takes a toll as your you know your minutes take a toll as your career goes on especially at that size um so yeah i would say if i'm the nets i'm happy if i get 55 games from this year yeah i mean hopefully hopefully with i mean ben simmons plays too maybe it won't be so much of a toll on Kyrie, and we can get more games out of him yeah, the Ben Simmons thing is also a whole nother thing because I still don't know whether when he got this back injury. Supposedly in the offseason. So if that is the case. It was, it was supposed to be a mental health thing. And then it turned he said that the, the mental health started causing back problems. Right. So so that so my question has always been: did the Nets know this when they traded for him? Was this some right? Because 
if this is if this injury developed after the trade, it's a big bummer. But then I don't get why they wouldn't just tell us that, right? The thing I'm confused about is, was this something that was going on beforehand and Rich Paul and his people were so desperate to get him out of there that they just didn't fully tell the Nets what was going on? I think that's what it was. Yeah. And if that's something where, you know, they basically weren't completely forthcoming with the Nets, that could be a big thing in the way these types of negotiations happen in the future in the league. Um, And I still feel like it, it just doesn't add up. Yeah, especially since he's, he's still trying to get paid when yeah. he didn't play games. Yeah. So that's probably going to come up in the next meeting with the – Right, well, he's going to he's gonna file a grievance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which I don't even know exactly how you're going to win that. I mean, he showed up at training camp and refused to do drills and played with his phone in his pocket. Exactly. Got kicked out and then didn't show up for, you know. Mm-hmm. And then the only, the only thing the Sixers was asking him was to show up to practice and if you have, like, the mental health – issues and everything then just basically go to your dirt go to a therapist the team therapist and talk to them you'll still get paid for it you'll still get your paycheck just do these minimum things yeah 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 it's it's a weird situation um if we're playing this game in 2k the nets are 1b to the bucks is 1a yeah in terms of East favorites. Um, but their second and third best players are two of the more unreliable guys. That's just a hard thing with them. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Gotta see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Next thing I want to ask you. So, have you been following the Summer League? A little bit, yeah. Um, Johnny Davis didn't play too good. Did not. Played three games. How, how high are you on the draft pick, though? I like the traffic when it happened. Yeah. Um, I think my biggest reasoning for it is that, A, I've worked out this whole thing um, where basically we kind of overthink the draft a lot mm-hmm. in the sense that if you're in the top five, um, you know, those are going to be the five best players in the draft, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we sort of know how good those guys are. Once we get, once you get outside the top five, mm-hmm. um, it becomes so much more of a projection of what that guy is going to look like going forward in the league, mm-hmm. right? Because so much of it is just how much will they get better, right? Because they're clearly not good enough to be like a blue chipper. So something that I was sort of just thinking about a little while ago was the idea that maybe teams should stop picking freshmen in out, in the lottery outside the top five. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I went back and looked at it and I did a very, very arbitrary non-scientific of just are like, was this a like good player? And I use like sort of CJ McCollum as like the base that's sort of like the line of like CJ McCollum or better. Yeah. Um, so of the guys in the top five who were that, 19 of 21 were freshmen of guys six to 14. So non-top five lottery, only 27% of them were freshmen. Um, And at that point in the draft, it's consistently the sophomores and the juniors and the seniors Mm -hmm. who, if we're talking about guys who are going to need to get better, why don't we take the guys who have already gotten better because they weren't at this point to get drafted the year before. And they clearly did something to get here. 
versus the freshman who was good, but not quite good enough. Um, so generally, I'll just always like the profile of a guy who, you know, sort of went from a decent freshman to Big Ten player of the year and carrying his team to a three seed. Um, in terms of the basketball questions, the athleticism was always going to be a thing. And that was always the biggest concern. Um, you saw it in summer league, him being a step slow. The thing that I still am optimistic about is that I think what he, he did a lot of what he did in spite of his team at Wisconsin, um, because he wasn't able to really play make much because of how bad his team around him was. I mean, he didn't have shooters on that team, right? If you're running high pick and roll with him, the shooters in the corner are not guys you can get out to. So now you're sort of just completely packing the paint with defenders and you and the big, and it forced him into a lot of contested mid ranges. Um, so the efficiency isn't great. Um, but I think a lot of that is a consequence of the situation that he was in. And if he didn't have that type of production with low efficiency, there's no way his team gets to a three seed. I mean, Wisconsin was picked to finish 10th in the big 10 for a reason. Um, and the reason they didn't was because of what he did. Um, but the athleticism is always the question. And you saw it in summer league. He was a step slow. He's just going to need to get better. And there's no other way around it. Um, it might be a little bit of a long-term project, but I actually think considering how pessimistic I am about the general direction of the Wizards, um, I am more optimistic than most, I think, about Johnny Davis. Okay, that makes sense. That's, that's a good way to look at it, especially since, what is he, like 22? Did he do like three years? Two years? He did two years. Two years, yeah, two years. So, I mean, he definitely has room to improve. I'm just not quite sure where he will fit into that rotation. Yeah. This current moment. Yeah. I mean, it depends what type of shooting he develops. Um, mm -hmm. Because he's not a great three point shooter. But another rule I have with draft prospects is that if it looks good when they shoot it, like if, if the form and the everything looks clean, yeah. it's something that generally develops while you're over the course of your time in the league. Mm -hmm. I'm less concerned about whether the shooting develops. The biggest concern for me is, you know, being able to consistently beat guys off the dribble. Um, always the biggest weakness with him. Um, but I think at that point of the draft, it's always your best. If you're at that point of the in the draft, unless there's like been a massive mistake where just some guy was completely missed, you're always talking about guys who you're going to need to improve. So if we're hoping for someone to improve, I'd rather have the guy who's already shown us that he has the ability to improve on a year-to-year -year basis. Yeah. Um, well, Wizards going to have some interesting things to work on. They need to fill out their roster a little more. I'm not sure if whatever they're trying to do right now, if it's going to translate this year or the next five years, but... I want to thank you for being on my podcast. For sure. Thanks for having me. No problem. And then we could definitely have another conversation about the Wizards probably midway through the season just to do like a check-in. Yeah, for sure. For sure. This was great. Definitely. Definitely. All right. Thank you for being on. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me. No problem. Stop recording.